we are, are going to go a different direction this morning. We are two weeks away from Easter Sunday. And uh, Easter Sunday is, is probably the most important day of the year for believers. And so we are going to begin to turn our eyes toward the cross. Because as I tell you guys, every year when we start to approach Easter, we can't really experience the power and the joy and the victory of the resurrection until we spend time at the cross. And so I want us to spend some time at the cross this morning, but uh, not literally at the cross. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. And you say, how are we going to talk about the crucifixion from Genesis? I hope by the end of this morning you will understand exactly why. I want us to dwell on the idea and the concept of sacrifice this morning. Um, we've, we've sang about it already uh, if you've noticed, sacrifice is part is is essential. Is part of what brings us to God. Um, the very first instance of sacrifice that we see in Scripture is in Genesis three. If you remember the story of Adam and Eve, God puts them in the garden. He gives them one command, and they disobey. And in the moment that they disobeyed, what happened? They lost their innocence. They all of a sudden realized that they had broken God's law, they had sinned, they realized that they were naked, that they had no clothes on because shame came into the world. Shame came into their lives in that moment that they realized they had broken God's law. And so what did they try to do? They tried to cover themselves. Yeah, they tried to hide. Perfect. They tried to hide. They... they sewed fig leaves together they tried to cover themselves up they wanted to cover their own shame right they were trying to cover their guilt because they understood that they had broken God's law Genesis chapter 3 verse 21 says that and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them they tried to cover themselves, but what they were able to do on their own was inadequate. And so God, in his attempt to teach them, what was, the, what was the promise God made to them when he gave them the command not to eat of the tree? He said, for the day you eat of it, what will happen? You will surely die. And then Satan tricked them and said, oh, you won't die. Your eyes will be open. You will, you'll know the way God knows. You'll understand things on a on a deeper level. But when their attempt to cover themselves when it was inadequate, God covered them with skin from an animal. And so I don't know if you've ever thought about, well, where did that skin come from? Most scholars would say that for God to have provided the skin to cover Adam and Eve, it meant that something had to die. And so even there in the garden... As a consequence of their sinfulness, God provided a covering for them in their shame, but it meant that an innocent animal would have to lose its life to provide the covering for Adam and Eve. God said that they would die, and so we would expect God in, in the immediate moment that they sinned that God would pronounce death on them, right? That would have been righteous for God to do. But we see even the grace of God in that story that he chooses not 
to kill Adam and Eve in that moment, but he takes a substitute, another animal from the garden, kills it, and uses the skin to cover Adam and Eve. There was an innocent substitute that died to atone for the sin of Adam and Eve. So then in Genesis 4, we see um, the first picture of God's acceptance of sacrifice in worship with Cain and Abel, right? You remember Cain and Abel came and they brought their offerings to the Lord. Cain brought offering of his harvest while Abel brought the firstborn from his flock, Scripture says, very likely a sheep to sacrifice. And since God had introduced that need for sacrifice in Adam and Eve's life, Adam and Eve likely would have seen what God did on their behalf to provide for their covering. They would have taught that to their kids. And so perhaps maybe one of the reasons that God rejected Cain's offering and and looked on favor with Abel's offering is because Abel's offering reflected the model of sacrifice that God had provided for Adam and Eve. The shedding of innocent blood as the substitute for the death of sin. So sacrifice from the very beginning was instituted into this idea of worship. And folks, when we come to worship, there should be an element of sacrifice in our lives. When scripture says to offer your bodies as living what? Sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, this is your act of what? Worship. So we can already see from Genesis, from the very beginning, that God was painting a picture of something that was going to happen later. But I want us to go to Genesis 22 this morning is where we're going to where we're, the, the main text that we're going to look at today. And it's a story that we've all heard before. It's a story that we grew up hearing in Sunday school. And maybe one that we haven't thought about on a really deep level. And maybe one, actually, if you've, heard the, if you've never heard the story before, the first time you hear it, it can be a little confusing. Because God seems to do some things that we don't expect God to do. Like tell Uh, one of his followers to murder their own son. But it's the story of Abraham. And I would love to, maybe one day we will do a whole study of just the life of Abraham because it's it's incredible. Um, God chooses him to be the father of the nation of Israel. And in Genesis 17, he promises Abraham that he will have a son by Sarah. Even though they're both very old in age, Sarah is past childbearing years. He says, you will have a son, and you're to name him Isaac. And he would be the child of the covenant. He said he would be the child. Abraham had already had another child out of his, his frustration and his desire to father a son. But God said, you will have a son with Sarah, your wife. And he will be the child of the covenant and you will name him Isaac. And he will be the one that I will fulfill my covenant with you to make him the father of a nation. So he makes that promises in Genesis 17. And then in Genesis 21, 
uh, Isaac is born miraculously in their, in their old age. You remember even Sarah laughed at the idea that she could have a child at her age. But the Lord miraculously gives Abraham and Sarah Isaac. So then chapter 22 begins. And so that's where I want us to start. Chapter 22, verse 1. Genesis 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Let's stop there for a moment. Verse 1 says that the Lord tested Abraham. If Abraham was the one chosen to fulfill the covenant, God had a test of faith for Abraham. What was he testing about Abraham? What was it that he wanted to to find out about Abraham? He was testing Abraham's obedience. How willing are you to obey me? How willing are you to to trust me would Abraham be willing to trust him beyond what he understood beyond common sense it's hard to trust God beyond common sense isn't it it's hard to get outside of our understanding of what seems to be logical when God may speak into our lives and tell us something that's completely illogical and lead us in a direction that doesn't even seem should be an option He wanted to test and see if Abraham would trust him beyond his common sense, beyond his understanding. He also wanted to test and see if he would be obedient beyond his affection for the people that he loved. Would he obey beyond his love for his son? He also wanted to see if he would would obey God beyond his own ambition because you see God had already told him before that Isaac was a part of the promise Isaac was a part of the covenant he would be the one that the covenant would be fulfilled through and so if Isaac is gone it seems like the covenant is gone it seems like the promise is gone what what Abraham sought to fulfill couldn't happen without Isaac But what we see in Abraham is no hesitation, do we? There's nothing in the text that says that he he struggled or he... Of course, we're going to assume that he struggled because this is a a deep... (laughs) This is a huge thing. But even in his struggle, there's no indication in the text that there was any hesitation by Abraham. It says the next morning... He arose 
and he began to walk toward obedience. He gathered his supplies for the journey. He took two of his servants with him, and he took Isaac along. And verse 3 says, on the third day, he saw the place where they were coming. From where Abraham was and where Moriah was, it was about a 50-mile journey. I think maybe when we read the story, we just think, oh, they woke up one morning, and by that afternoon, they were at the altar. They were at the mountain. But this was a journey. It would have taken three days to get there. And so I want us for just a minute to kind of put ourselves in Abraham's place for a minute. Those must have been the longest three days of his life. He gets up, he's being obedient, he gathers his things, and he tells Isaac, come on, son, we've, we've got somewhere to go. We're going to go to the mountain. The Lord's told us to go there and worship. All the, all the while knowing what, what the Lord's asking him to do. That had to be the longest three days ever for him. And you think, what was going through his mind? What was he thinking over the course of that journey as Isaac's going along with him, those two servants? There's a song that I listen to often. As the Lord laid this story on my heart, I went to Dan uh, this week and, and said, hey, could we do something a little different? I want to share this song as an illustration in our message. And, uh, and so he was gracious and, and uh, decided to, to learn. He's so good at that. He could just throw a piece of music at him and say, hey, can we do this? And, and Tyler's going to help me too. But um, I want to share this song with you. And I want us to not rush. I want us to spend this three-minute song just being on that journey with Abraham for those three days. He didn't know what was going to happen, didn't know how it was going to turn out, but what, what might his heart have been saying. And so, um, so I want to share this song with you. It's called Holy is the Lord. Help me, I don't know the way. 
think that may have been a little piece of what was going on in Abraham's heart over that journey. Or maybe it wasn't so much. And you say, well, why would you say that, Eric? Did you notice in verse 5 when they get to the mountain and the mountain's in view and he tells the servants to wait that he and Isaac are going to go along by themselves now. He tells them, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. He says, will you guys wait here? We'll be back. Both of us. And you wonder, why does he say that? How could, how could he say that? He knows what's going to happen. He knows what the Lord's asked him to do. But he also knows that, that human sacrifice is not anything that the Lord has ever instituted. He knows that there are pagan nations all around him at the time that did practice child sacrifice, human sacrifice. But, but God has never done that. And when we read later in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, God makes it very, very clear that human sacrifice is not anything that he desires. He forbids it strictly to separate Israel from the other nations and so we can get a little idea as to what Abraham may have been thinking in that statement if we flip back over to the New Testament and look in Hebrews chapter 11 I want to share that with you in verse 17 of Hebrews 11 it says by faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Isaac was the child of the promise. Verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham had such faith in God. He didn't know what was going to happen 
when they got there. He didn't know how it was going to be, but he knew somehow he had faith to believe that, that God's promise for Isaac was true and that Isaac wasn't going to be left as a dead body on that mountain. He wasn't, his body wouldn't be burned up in that offering. He truly believed he was going to come back down the mountain with Isaac. Even if it meant after he was killed that the Lord would raise him back up. Does that sound familiar? What faith and anticipation Abraham had in the resurrection, even even in that moment. Now let's go back to Genesis 22 and let's continue the story. Look at verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. Verse 7, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, And laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Abraham knew that the practice of worship by sacrifice was a thing, but... Even Isaac, as they're traveling along, he understood. He had been with his father many times, I'm sure, when he would sacrifice an animal and bring an offering for the Lord. But this time, as they're walking, Isaac notices there is no animal. They have everything they need. They have a knife. They have the wood. They have the supplies to start a fire. But there's no lamb. There's no animal. So he asks Abraham, and Abraham responds in one of the most faithful statements in all of the Old Testament. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. God will provide for himself the lamb for the offering. There's a great trust and faith, not just in Abraham here, but in Isaac. Isaac has been taught well by his father. This is, this is a picture, this, this conversation between Isaac and Abraham is, is a picture of a, a legacy faith, a, a strong faith in the father that has been and is being passed on to his son Isaac. Because Isaac doesn't fully understand. Most scholars believe that Isaac was probably a a young teenager by now. Probably not a a small child, but but obviously he was was well and able enough 
to help carry the wood. But even with that answer from his dad, God will provide the sacrifice. He believed and he trusted his father. But Isaac was also big enough and healthy enough to have resisted his father too. So what kind of faith did Isaac have that we read this part of the story and we don't see any resistance from Isaac at all? I don't believe, I don't believe that Abraham had to wrestle Isaac to, to bind him. I think that's how much trust Isaac had in his dad. That maybe, maybe he even held his arms out for him while he, while he wrapped his, his wrists and tied his ankles together and bound him and put him, put him on the, the altar just like he would have done with any animal that probably would have put up a struggle and resisted. But there's no mention of that in the story. And I think that's for good reason. So just imagine that moment for a minute. Abraham is there. Isaac is there. Isaac trusting his father. Not fully understanding exactly how this is going to go. But it comes to the moment where there's nothing left to do except follow through and maybe in all of those hopes all of those prayers that Abraham was praying Lord make another way I trust you I'm going to obey you but is there another way to do this and when it seems like there was no other way he reaches over he grabs the knife he probably takes a really deep breath and he lifts his arm up over his son and then verse 11 happens But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. You notice that he replies to the cry of the angel of the Lord the very same way he answered God at the very beginning when God called him to do this. Here I am. Verse 12, he said, do not lay your hand on the boy. Or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son. Your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold behind him was a ram. Caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram. And offered it up as a burnt offering. Instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. I want you to think about what we're approaching over the next couple of weeks. And then I want to read that last line of that verse again. As it is said to this time, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. 
It's, it's a picture of the crucifixion. All the way back in Genesis 22. God could have stopped Abraham at any point during this journey. It could have been halfway up the mountain. When God saw, God knew Abraham's heart already. God knew that Abraham would have obeyed. That he was obeying. He was doing exactly what God told him to do. Even though his heart was breaking all the while, he was going to obey. God could have stopped him at any point. He could have stopped him halfway up the mountain. He could have stopped him when they got there. He could have stopped him as he was building the altar. He could have stopped him after he bound Isaac. But he waited until the last, that last moment. And he provided a ram that Abraham could sacrifice instead of his son, instead of Isaac. So Isaac escaped death because God provided a substitute to go in his place. So Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. What I want you to see today is maybe something in this story that you've never seen before. We're approaching Easter. We're approaching Holy Week. We're approaching the Passion, the Crucifixion. And all the events that we're going to celebrate over the next couple of weeks aren't events that God just came up with one day throughout history. He didn't see the problem of sin and then come up with a plan to save us from it. It was was part of the plan from the very beginning. And even here in this story, we see one of the most incredible pictures of the sacrifice of God to save us. To provide a substitute. To provide an offering of blood to himself. What did Abraham say? God will provide for himself a lamb for the offering. He told Isaac that. That God would provide an offering that was so perfect and so sinless and so spotless that it would be powerful enough to save all of us. It'd be powerful enough to save me and you. God introduced sacrifice into his relationship with Israel all the way back in Genesis Because sacrifice would be what brings us into a relationship with him now. Do you see that? he, He introduced this concept of sacrifice into his relationship with his people. Because he knew that sacrifice would be what would what would be required for us to be in relationship with him. 
And that's why I want us to get into the mind and the heart of Abraham because I believe that that's the mind and the heart of God to do exactly what his own righteousness requires and to offer his son as a ransom for us. There is, this is one of the greatest pictures of the gospel in the Old Testament. And I just wrote down some thoughts. I'm just going to read them to you the way I wrote them in my notes. A relationship between a father and his miraculously born son that was called his one and only. That son, called to be sacrificed by his loving father on a hill in the same region known as Moriah. I don't know that you picked on, up on that, but if you study the geography and the history, the region of Moriah that Abraham took Isaac to the top of a mountain to sacrifice him is also the very same region where Golgotha is. It's the same place. God sacrificed Jesus on the cross for us in the very same place. Maybe not the exact mountain, but in the same place where he called Abraham to offer up Isaac. That son led up a hill by his father, carrying the wood for his own sacrifice. Isaac carried the wood up the mountain for the burnt offering. Jesus carried his own cross up the hill, wood on his back. And that son, not resisting, the sacrifice, but submitting to the leadership and the will of his father in trust and obedience. God was telling the story of the sacrifice that he would provide one day in Abraham's life in this moment. Hebrews chapter 9 says this in verses 26 through 28. But as it is, he has appeared once, meaning Jesus, for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Jesus came the first time as a sacrifice. He was the lamb, the perfect lamb, offering himself up so that his blood could be atonement for you and for me. But when he comes again the second time, <laughs> Hebrew says he won't be coming to deal with sin, but to save those 
who have eagerly waited for his coming. What I, what I want you to think about this morning, are you eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus? And the only way you could be eagerly awaiting his return is if you have been forgiven and covered by the sacrifice. I think it was Luther that said, if your sin is small, then your Savior will be small. But if your sin is great, then your Savior will be great. And folks, I'm here to tell you, my sin is great. And whether you know it or not, your sin is great. That's why we needed a great sacrifice. And the offer of the sacrifice is the same as it was for Isaac. Our lives can be spared. It's the same as Adam's and Eve's. Adam and Eve's. We we deserve death for our sin. But God, in His grace and His love, has offered a sacrifice. He's provided it Himself to appease his own righteousness so that we could be saved, so that we could be rescued. And I want you to know, I want you to, have you been saved by the sacrifice? Have you trusted in the sacrifice? More than in yourself, more than in your ability to be good enough, 